to down to down to yeah um, missed and peeved missed and peeved that's a way of saying like you're angry or you're mad don't be missed and peeved miffed don't be miffed and peeved it's a real it's a real it's a real one I don't use it but it's not in your vocabulary down to down yes this is Stephen Adams. Don't be miffed and peeved. No, you can't be miffed and peeved. Sorry. This is Stephen Adams. You can't be miffed and peeved because you're listening to Down to Dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schleck. We are part of CLNS Media, DailyThunder.com, and feature on Dash Radio at 5 o'clock Central Time. With me today, I've got my good friend Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? Good morning. Good morning. Uh, so, uh, Paul George and Russell paintball together. They go to parties together. You're and, loving this. And so, basically, Paul George is just can't leave Russell Westbrook's sight right now, which is, I mean, it's kind of interesting, right? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be crazy when uh, when Paul goes to L.A. and Russ demands a trade to L.A., you know? <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, what do you make of uh, the Russell Westbrook, you know, being traded comments from Zach Lowe the other day? Because we discussed that. I guess it's been, has it been two weeks? How long is it? Yeah, I guess it's been two weeks. Has um, it only been two weeks? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea how long it's been, to be honest. It feels like forever ago. <laughs> um, what do you make of that? Uh, it just is uh, validation for what we did. <laughs> for all of our hard work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I think it's I, I, I think it's one of those conversations that's like probably realistically a year early. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if Paul doesn't come back, if... Russ has like another solid year, but the Thunder are kind of like a middling playoff team, like just getting in at the end and they have another first round loss. I think those talks will become a lot louder. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, it's too hard to see the franchise like the Thunder, even considering a move like that at this time. Yeah. I mean, it would have to be there 500 and it's February 1st. And things are not looking good. And Russell's unhappy. The team is unhappy. And, you know, they call Phoenix and say, you know, would you do Luke Doncic and somebody else? Assuming they have Luke Doncic. Um, that's just like. And my, they might say no. They might say no. They might. But you I have. That was the more interesting thing about what Zach Lowe said is that. Like instead of treating it like, oh, it'd be crazy to trade Westbrook, he he said I wouldn't touch that contract. That was like his takeaway. Yeah, I just I don't know. People a lot of times people try to outsmart themselves in those trade situations. The truth is, like the Phoenix Suns haven't had a player the caliber of Russell Westbrook since Steve Nash. You know? Right. Like it's been a long time since they've been good. And to think that that group with Ryan McDonough, who has somehow still kept his job, like I have no idea how he's done that, um, wouldn't take the opportunity to bring Russell Westbrook onto his team. I just don't, I don't know. You can find these desperate teams like a Phoenix or Orlando or any of these teams that haven't made any sort of big impact move. Like 
they've, they've been trying to get a star for so long. Like you can get them to bite and probably give up more than they should. I just, right. I'm just not buying. Like may, maybe Zach Lowe wouldn't do that, but you know, Russell Westbrook will like, they'll put butts in seats, man. And sometimes that's important, <laughs> you know, like sometimes yeah. it's no, very I, important. I totally think it makes sense for, a couple teams like Orlando's the big one that I think it would make sense for. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if you're, if you're the Suns and it's like a mid season trade, well, you're probably not making the playoffs that year because you've been bad. Yeah. Um, that's why like around the draft person. makes a ton of sense. And maybe it's yeah. not this draft. Maybe it's the next one, but to trade a big player, you know, kind of like the, the bulls did with Jimmy Butler, you know, at the draft, you get your pick, you get to take the guy you want, and you know push forward from there and at that point you're trading for so he's going to turn 30 in november so if you waited another year like he's going to be 31 at the start of that season Mm -hmm. i don't know that's why i think the the talks about trading him um like this if if you wanted to go that route i'm not saying you should I'm just saying if you wanted to go that route, it seems like the sooner the better because if you're waiting a whole nother year, now that prospective team is looking at trading for a 31-year-old athletic point guard. Um, I don't know. I, I think he's at his peak value right now. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. LeBron's 33, and he's has shown no signs of decline. Like, we don't know that Russell won't be 33 and still just crazy explosive. Like, we just don't know. Right. Like, we're using past timelines as a guide for these players today. And, like, every day we wake up and say, I don't know how LeBron James is doing this. Well, like, the truth is that these guys today take care of their bodies better than anyone in NBA history ever has. And, you know, maybe maybe there's a new era for these guys that are able to stay healthy and be able to continue their athleticism through, you know, further like till they're 34, 35, you know, and that may, that may be the possibility. And if you have Russell Westbrook and he is this good through the remainder of his contract, then he's well worth it. You know, everyone just, everyone wants to preemptively say that a decline is coming. Like, I think that, Hey, Duncan predicts the decline of every player that hits 30 every single year and like eventually he'll be right but i i just don't i don't see i don't know like maybe we'll start seeing it but i mean in game five like with you know thunder jazz like i didn't see a athletic decline in russell westbrook at all you know and i don't i mean i guess we can predict it because he's going to turn 30 but you know lebron is and LeBron may just be the exception to the rule of everything. And so that may not be a good comparison, but Russell Westbrook's one of the could be the most athletic point guard in NBA history. And so I don't know. I don't, I don't know about predicting his decline and predicting when, you know, this and that will happen. I, I don't know. And I'm, you know, all of this conversation is moot. If Paul George decides to come back and then like, they just press on like they are, um, but it is, I mean, this team is interesting. It's a very volatile summer for the Thunder. I mean, it could be, I mean, it, this is, the franchise direction will be determined by what happens this summer. And, and we have so long. We've got a long time. It's May the 9th. Uh, so many more 
Paul George stories are going to come up. He's going to be in so many different places with or without Russell Westbrook. And it's going to be so, so crazy. I just like, if you're a Thunder fan, just don't, you can't just cling to every moment of Paul George. Like there's just so much that can happen. I, I still feel like his free agency will hinge on, and really the whole NBA is going to be watching what LeBron James does first and foremost. If whatever he does, if he decides to stay in Cleveland, if he decides to go to Philly, if he decides to go to LA, wherever, I mean, the NBA is just waiting and watching. And, you know, LeBron, if he does move somewhere, he makes big plans. Like, he doesn't just go somewhere. And, you know, going to Philly, I don't think that he'd have to make big plans on bringing in somebody else. Like, they have a ready made roster to go compete next year, obviously. But uh, the, the and I keep saying this, but the only destination that truly scares me is L.A. Like if, if LeBron decides to be a Laker, then I think that that's when you push the panic button as a Thunder fan. And that's probably I mean, that I think that he would go. Yeah. If if LeBron decided to go there. But I still don't quite get them going to the lake. I still don't quite get it. Um because I don't, I don't know that it guarantees them what they want if they go to LA. Just because, like, we're seeing it right now, this Warriors team is still nearly unbeatable. And like, we want to hype up this Rockets Warriors series, but I mean, what chance do you give the Rockets to actually beat this Warriors team four times out of seven? Like, I, just, I don't, I don't give them much of a chance. What about you? Uh, I'll give them. 20 yeah and that seems high like i just don't I, I just don't think anybody's beating this warriors team as long as they're in their primes and like unfortunately for lebron their primes are the same and in fact lebron is older than they are and so like i just don't see it i really don't and so like that's that's why i don't totally get the lebron to la thing if people are like well you're gonna to have to play him eventually anyways well doesn't it help if you're playing him in the finals <laughs> rather than in the conference finals or you know even in the second round with this young lakers team you have to play the warriors in the second round is a definite possibility with how close all these teams are in the west and the west isn't gonna get any easier i don't i don't know i just don't i don't get it and it may happen anyways but i just i just don't get it i don't know why you wouldn't just stay out east you know where the Raptors may run it back and you can embarrass them once again. Like, I just don't, I don't see it, man. What do you think about, uh, do you think Toronto will blow it up this summer? I don't know. Like, what do you do? Who are you, I don't know. Who are you going to get by Toronto? I know. Who are you going to get? I don't, I don't even know if it's about getting anyone. I think it's just about blowing it up. Like, I don't know. If, do you think they can put their fans through this again? <laughs> I think that they're also a let's see what LeBron James does team, right? Like if LeBron goes west, then I think you run it back and you just say like we have more continuity than these younger teams and we may have a chance to beat a Boston or a Philly. I wouldn't I wouldn't predict them to, but I think that they would maybe try to run it back one more time, but also like at what point is not only the fan base but that team just like 
so damaged from, you know, not being able to get over that mental hurdle of LeBron. Right. And like, when do they just fall apart? I mean, I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I feel so bad for Toronto fans. I can't imagine. Oh, like I mean, all, this is like the best team in their franchise's history. Yes. And they get swept. Yeah. So wept. I mean, it's, it is, it was really bad. And so many smart people predicted them to win and going into the series, like you're feeling really good. And even through most of game one, you're just like, all right, our time is finally here. And then LeBron just slams the door in your face, you know, four times in a row. And you're just like, we're the same old Raptors. Like, and they're, and if you're a Raptors fan, like right now, if we were Raptors fans, like we would be having blow it up podcasts. Like we would have individual <laughs> trade DeMar DeRozan, trade Kyle Lowry. Can we just stretch Valanciunas' contract? Like, what can we do here? Can we just, can we just get rid of this group and just build around, uh, you know, picks and OG Ananobi, please, you know? I was uh, I was reading on the Orlando Magic subreddit. Oh boy, <laughs> what a what a yeah, weird thing know. to do. <laughs> <laughs> this is how I spend my time. <laughs> uh, uh, and they were gloating about the fact that I was better than Serge Bacchus. That what? That, that was like a title of a post. That uh, Bismarck Biombo's contract was better than Serge Ibaka's. Oh, oh my. And yep. They were like really pumped about it. <laughs> That's a really sad existence. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I think they're right. So, man, Serge was really bad, which is, as a Thunder fan, kind of sad to see. But like the Thunder saw it coming. You know, that, I mean, that, you know, a lot of people kill Sam Presti. But the fact that he did, you know, trade Ibaka. And eventually turn him into what became Paul George is pretty crazy to think about, especially thinking about where Serge is this year and how that contract feels like nearly untradeable. But he was like the, like, if you just look at Serge Ibaka on paper, you're almost like, why did they trade? Like, why would you want to trade a three point shooting, you know, rim protecting power forward? Like, why would you want to trade that? And, you know, as Thunder fans, like we know, like he's a very limited player offensively. Like he can't do much beyond catch and shoot on the offensive end. Like he can't put it on the floor. He's not able to pass real well. He can't make quick decisions and like, that's okay. But you know, his decline has been significant. Um, and actually, and like being in that Raptors culture, <laughs> it probably doesn't help him mentally to, <laughs> just be destroyed by lebron james but yeah that was that's a that's a bad deal for surge this really is i'd like to thank the press for sponsoring today's show you gotta go check out the press it's southwestern comfort food down in the plaza district near downtown oklahoma city the plaza is just one of the coolest places to be if you live in okc or if you're visiting and the press is the restaurant to go to they have just an amazing menu as I've said before, anything with the mac and cheese is unbelievable. Their mashed potato bowl is really good. It has mashed potatoes, corn, cheddar, fried chicken strips, and country gravy. Whew. They've also got some good salads. Their press cob, I've had it. It's unbelievable. They also have brunch where you can get the cornflake fried chicken sandwich, biscuits and gravy, breakfast hash, pancakes, 
Uh, they also have this thing called breakfast bomb. It's a bed of smashed potatoes, biscuits, chicken strips, country gravy, eggs, and bacon bits. This is the place to be people. Go check out the press today. Support the people that support down to dunk and eat at the press. Uh, okay. So our podcast today, we're going to spend some time grading the, uh, the thunder players on their season and kind of talk about each player. Uh, we're going to be using, so I, I sat down and did like the ABCD scale and like, I was, man, this would be a boring podcast. Uh, so-and-so a so-and-so B. I mean, it's just boring. Like no one wants to hear that. And so I decided to go with a, uh, Chick-fil-A sauce scale. And so I'll, I'll read you guys the scale that I came up <clears> with <throat> and then, uh, Alex <clears throat> will, <throat> will <laughs> give his, give his take on it so number one is the chick-fil-a sauce uh it's just the very best that's an a the uh, uh. chick-fil-a barbecue is b uh it's always it's always very good uh ketchup is c because you just know what you're getting it's a fine sauce d is garlic garlic and herb ranch which just sounds i've never had it but sounds disgusting and then uh an F is no sauce at all because if you don't use sauce on Chick-fil-A nuggets, then you have failed. Uh, what's what's your critique on my scale, Alex? Well, Andrew, um, I told you last night that ketchup as C was a an insult, not just to <laughs> me, but to my family. <laughs> and um, to Royce Young, probably. Yeah. Now, listen, I, I don't want people out there thinking... I'm into this, you know, weird, kinky stuff like Royce, where he puts ketchup in chicken soup. You know, I'm I'm just a, I'm just a simple traditionalist. You know, I I believe that every order of twelve count nuggets deserves at least six large packets of ketchup. Six, and I use all of those. Wow, do you have and, leftover ketchup, or are you just like soaking them? Uh, oh, do, I'm soaking. Do you bring a syringe and like inject ketchup <laughs> into them? Uh, ketchup is crucially important to my Chick Fil A experience, to the point where if I don't have Chick Fil or if I don't have ketchup, I'll just save the Chick Fil A until I do. So where would you, I mean? It would be your A and your B. Like, what's your scale uh, then? Like, what's yeah? Okay, so so Andrew came up with his scale, which I will adhere to in the interest of this podcast. But I came up with my own scale. And, you know, if you're out there, you know, give us some feedback. Tell us which scale is better, you know. <laughs> Write a comment in the forum. Do you have a forum? No. Tweet us. Um, tweet at us. Tweet at us. But not me. Tweet at Andrew. <laughs> Tell him that mine's better. All right. My scale, A, ketchup. All okay. right. Everyone likes that. It makes sense. It's the only sauce that matters. The rest of them, who cares? B, more pickles. Okay, put more pickles on your sandwich. Wrap a fry in a pickle. Take a nugget and give it a little pickle hat. You know, you know what I mean? No. That's B. Whoa. Yes, that's B. That's my B sauce. Okay. C. Uh, C is Sprite. People don't talk enough about putting food in your mouth and immediately take. I mean. Hold, so hold on, you have to repeat that. You, ju- you just cut out. You have to repeat that. People, you you started with people don't oh, talk and en- uh, people don't talk enough about. 
people don't talk enough about putting food in your mouth and immediately taking a sip of a drink. Do you know what I mean? Like the liquid should count as a condiment in that scenario. So my personal favorite all time li- food liquid combo is pretzels and ginger ale. Okay. Uh, which I only which I only do on planes, but I highly recommend. Yeah. But anyway, Sprite and fries, you can dip your fries into Sprite. It's a solid mix. I give that a C. Okay? Give that a C. Okay. Uh, D is the juice that separates from the ketchup. Oh, yeah. Do you know? That's, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's not okay. That's a cursed liquid. It is. It's not uh, good. Absolutely disgusting. Uh, I am begging Heinz, please put more chemicals into my ketchup <laughs> so I never have to see that juice again. Do whatever you have to do. I don't care. It's a filthy liquid. Okay, and my F is not a sauce, but I just had to get it off my chest. Grilled chicken nuggets okay. are my F. I know they're not a condiment, but they are a complete abomination. I think it's terrible that there's people out there in this world who are going to Chick-fil-A and ordering grilled chicken nuggets. I wish they would just go somewhere else and eat healthy like we all know they're trying to do. (laughs) Chick-fil-A is not your health spa, okay? You should not be ordering grilled chicken nuggets. What about um, the egg white delight that you can get in the morning? I don't even know what that is. What is it? it? It's got the, the egg white with a grilled chicken cheese on a um a uh on a little muffin thing whatever it's called english muffin i mean that sounds at least that's a combination of ingredients yeah it's very good i i had it this morning actually i mean i'm assuming these these weirdos ordering grilled chicken nuggets are not going to be putting sauce on them because they're getting it because it's healthy now let me tell you who's ordering the grilled chicken nuggets it's, who it's not it's not for themselves. It's for their children. And my Why? wife my wife hasn't done this, but I assume that there are mothers out there that go to Chick-fil-A and they order the salad and then they order the grilled chicken nuggets for their children. That's my assumption. That's what's keeping the grilled chicken nugget alive. So put it on top of the salad? No, no, no. They order it for their, their children to eat. And their children don't know the goodness of a fried chicken nugget. That they just know. Their, their minds are going to be blown when they eventually get real nuggets. I'm telling you, this is probably a real thing. Um, so basketball. Um, <laughs> I thought that we could start with Corey Brewer since he was a late addition to the team. And I gave him just a straight up Chick-fil-A sauce. He could not have been better. Like I thought he came in. I was like, why are they signing Corey Brewer? He can't play for the Lakers. And he came in and he started and he did, I mean, about as good as a buyout shooting guard that's off the scrap heap of the Lakers can do on your team. Like he hit corner threes. I need to look and see what he finished at from the corner. Um, But he hit corner threes. He played good defense. He's not Andre on the defensive end, but like there's a, there's a chance. And I don't think people consider this that the Thunder or like the eighth seed, or maybe even miss the playoffs because they don't have Corey Brewer on their team. And that's like no joke. He he won them maybe a couple games in the regular season. And people may, may, people may think that I'm crazy for saying that. He was 34% from three um, as a Thunder man. And 
I, I don't know. I, I can't imagine him being better than he was. He was 39% from the corners, which is crazy because he shot like 19% from the corners with the Lakers. Um, but I don't know. What's your thoughts on Corey? Uh, yeah, that's a, actually a pretty convincing argument. I originally gave him uh, the equivalent of a catch-up plus on your scale. Okay. <laughs> which would be a, a C plus, uh, mainly because, you know, I wasn't expecting a lot going into it. I thought he was a really nice stabilizing force, but he did tail off at the end. Um, he didn't, I, I honestly didn't even notice him in the playoffs. Yeah. I, I, I can remember like one three pointer that he made. Yeah. Um, this is all relative to expectations though. So it's, it's not true. It's, it's a, true. It's a sliding scale. This is not just like, Here's one scale and like Russell Westbrook is the best and Kyle Singler is the worst. And like, it's a sliding right. scale for what we expected out of these guys going into the season. And honestly, like if you looked at all the numbers and you watched Corey play for the Lakers, you, I mean, I would have thought that they're bringing in a guy that is not going to help at all. Like he, and, and could actively hurt this team. And that just wasn't the case. So he had yeah. a he had a 14 PER when he was here, which is better than any other Thunder shooting guard by a mile. Actually, <laughs> oh dear, yeah. I mean, Terrence Ferguson seven, Andre Robertson ten, Abrinas nine. I mean, he like he was good, and you know, 56 true shooting. It's not the best, but like it's better better than we thought he would be. I mean, he was just he just overall impressed when he came and i and i would expect that if they're able to keep the squad together that they bring back Corey on a minimum and that he can you know have a bench role and i think that he can be effective and billy knows how to use Corey brewer too and he's familiar with what billy wants to do so i think that helps now if he had a similar season next year over a course of a full season you don't get the surprise factored in right yeah, but if he plays like that, if he shoots thirty nine percent from yeah. the corners and comes <laughs> off the bench, I mean, like the Thunder have been wanting a guy that can bring defensive energy and you know, and and the, really the thing with him, the big change between the Lakers and the Thunder is that he stopped handling the ball. Like he would handle the ball when he played with the second unit, and we all know that he's called he's named the drunken dribbler for a reason, and that's it's not a good reason. Like he's just not—he's—he's not any good at those things. But if he's just spotting up and playing defense, and you know, creating chaos, and if he does that in like a fifteen-minute-a-night role, you're talking about like he's a pretty valuable bench piece. I feel like. Yeah, he had the lowest turnover percentage of his career. Yeah, it's because he never touched the ball unless he was shooting, which was great. Um, Okay, let's move on to uh, we'll we'll kind of fire through these next four. Uh, Dakari Johnson, uh, he didn't play a whole lot this season. Uh, in fact, I don't even like him as an NBA prospect at all. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> but 161 minutes. Um, but I gave him, a, I gave him a B. I gave him a barbecue sauce because he did come in and play uh, a nice role when he did play. He came in when Steven was hurt and played really well against DeAndre for a game relative to my expectations which were like nothing like he was he was okay like he's pretty good uh, i still don't like him as a player i still wish that they would cut him in the offseason so that they can give that roster spot to somebody else just because i don't see him as a useful player 
going forward. I just don't, I don't see it. Um, but relative to that expectation, I thought that he played pretty well when he did. Yeah. Play. I gave him a solid catch up yeah. for, for the same reasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only thing you really remember from this season is the game against the Clippers and the shot he made at the end. Yeah. Which is nice. I, I, he's a skill. He's a pretty skilled big man. Um, but there's not really any place for a super slow skilled big man in this league. Like you have to be outrageously skilled to even get on the court. And he's really not that. Um, okay. Josh Hustis, I gave him a, a catch up. Uh, I also gave him a catch up. Yeah, he was fine. Like he's fine. Like he played good defense in spots. You can tell that his confidence w- was wavering as the season went on and, he could not shoot it at all from anywhere on the court. He shot 30 33% from the field, 28% from three uh, and 30% from the free throw line, um, which is not great, but he, he just missed the uh, wait, hold on 33, 20. Yeah. He it's not good. Alex, he, he was a plus minus superstar though. He was. Yeah. And he, he started 10 games during the season and he was a part of that, that starting unit that beat the warriors in Oracle. I mean, he had his moments, but you know, his, his inability to shoot it from three really hurt. And just like, you just get this feeling that the organization doesn't have supreme confidence in him, uh, which, you know, that hurts a guy, like a guy that's, like super like even below a below average NBA player that comes off the bench that's been in the G League that's trying to make the, the roster basically like make an impact on the roster and you don't feel like they have great confidence in him. I mean that that is gonna hurt. So you're feeling pretty confident that um that's definitely a open roster spot? You know, I don't know. This summer. I I mean he's definitely a minimum player. And I think at the end of the day, if they're not able to bring in somebody, um, then yeah, I could see that. I, and and if I'm Josh Eustis and I have a chance to go somewhere else, I'm going wherever that is. I mean, to be honest, because I just don't think the Thunder have treated him fairly. So yeah. Hey, a reminder: Josh Eustis was part of the second best five man unit on this team. So the starting lineup with Robertson is a plus 14.2 mm-hmm. with Josh. They were a plus 10.5 man. And that went right away from it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just the story of his career with the thunder is that when he plays, you're like, Oh, I can kind of play a little bit. Um, and I still think he can, I think that he'll be able to play somewhere. I think that someday we'll see him playing in Utah or Brooklyn or, a team like that that shares the ball well that has a great defensive scheme and they can mold him into who they want him to be and we're gonna be like we had that guy on our team really like he was sitting on our bench i I think that we could be having that conversation um he's also a really just a really good person a smart guy you know all those things uh nick collison i gave no sauce f (laughs) (laughs) i I gave him a garlic herb and ranch. Um, How do you even give him a grade? Uh, I I don't know. I feel like his skin looks like garlic herb and ranch. <laughs> um, well, that's a pretty good reason. And 
I don't know. He's also, he's, he's in the Dakari boat with me where it's like, all right, like let's retire. Let's put your Jersey up in the rafters and let's open up a roster spot, please. Like why we have two centers on the end of the, of the bench that we can't even play. Right. And I think that that kind of hurt the thunder that they didn't have that depth there. You know, Collison came in and he played one game where it was like kind of cool. And even he said, you know, I feel like the walk on, you know, coming out there where everybody's cheering for me and stuff like that. Like, it's just kind of an awkward situation. And, you know, it's cool. I appreciate all he's done for the franchise. But, you know, at some point, like you're done and they need to have somebody that can be productive on the end of that bench that can come in and give them a minute here or there. And he's just not there anymore. And that's okay. Um, but yeah, I feel like he and Dakari, like there's just too many spots. There were too many spots there at the end of the bench this season um, that were just not useful. And so like, I don't, obviously there's not a future for Collison. I don't think there's much of a future for Dakari either in the NBA. And so I think they'll, they'll move on from him and I don't know what he'll do. I don't know if he'll take on a front office role or what he's going to do. I think he'll have that option with the thunder, um, but we'll see. But yeah, He's a garlic yeah. urban ranch. Now that we're getting into it, it is kind of amazing how much dead weight they have yeah. at the end of their bench. And like not even young guys, like young dead weight that doesn't play. Right. It's just they just have like like Nick and Kyle. Yeah. yeah speaking of dead weight, let's go to Kyle Singler. Chick-fil-A plus. Chick-fil-A I gave plus. him A plus. <laughs> I thought he did great this year. He only play, I only had to watch him for 59 minutes. <laughs> we barely talked about him. I mean, it was only a couple of years ago where we were talking about him every game and we, we didn't even have to, we didn't have to think about him this year. That's awesome. That's a Chick-fil-A plus for me. I give him a no sauce. There's no, there's, oh, man. there's no sauce whatsoever on the uh, season for Kyle Singler. We don't have to discuss him any more than that. Uh, Terrence Ferguson. I gave Terrence Ferguson a barbecue sauce, um, wow. which surprised me a little bit that I did that. Um, <laughs> It's your you, you you have control, Andrew. I know. I surprise surprise myself. Uh, really, it's just because of the way that he developed throughout the season. Uh, he ended up. What were his final shooting numbers? Um, he ended up thirty three percent from three, which is not great. But over the course of the last few weeks of the season, he was like after the All Star break. I think he was forty five percent from three, and his defense had come a long way. Like I the game that I really look to, and I think I mentioned this the other day when talking with McKelly was the game at home against the wizards where he played like some really valuable minutes for them. And, you know, he wasn't able to replicate that a ton, uh, but just to be able to see that and be able to see the progress that he's made uh, to me is a really big deal. And like they, they need guys on rookie scale deals moving forward. If they're going to keep this roster together that can contribute because they're going to be paying so much money to these guys. And he kind of profiles as a guy that would be really great next to a Russell Paul, Steven Adams combination um, that can come off the bench and that can hit threes and that can be, a guy that can have some highlight plays and maybe if he bulks up a little bit can be a good defender and you know down the road four years from now we may be talking about Terrence Ferguson as the starting shooting guard and hopefully they still have a good team then but I I think that um you know his season overall it started out 
where he didn't really play at all. And then when he did play, it was in garbage time. And But really, down the end of the season, I had I didn't think it was the worst idea in the world to, to play him. And uh, I I think that before, like there were definitely spots in the season where he was actively hurting the team because he just didn't know what he was doing out there yet. Uh, but I, I think, I think that he, it turned out to be a pretty solid season for him, a good development season. And I'm really kind of excited to see what he can do in the summer league and going forward. I gave him a catch up plus. Okay. Um, you know, his birthday is next week. Oh, he's going to be 20 years old. So we can stop talking about him as a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested, you know, I'm this summer, I'm sure a lot of like websites will do redrafts of this draft. Yeah. And I'm interested to see just what outsiders think about him. Um, I, I think I listened to the dunked on where they, they went over like the OKC young guys and they seem to have like generally favorable things to say about him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm much more optimistic than I was, you know, even in February sure. about Terrence Ferguson. Oh so. yeah. Yeah, same here. I mean, I've had to change my tune on him a little bit just because he he played better, like he really did. I'm interested to see in the summer league if they just kind of want to see what he can do in terms of like ball handling. Yeah. Um, or if they just want him to be a spot up shooter and that's it. I think that we'll, it, I think we'll see him handling the ball. I would not be surprised because I mean Sam. Sam acted like he didn't even know what he has in this guy. And yeah. So I think that they'll want to try as much as they can with him. Also, because I don't know who else they're going to have on their summer league roster that like truly matters to this team. Dwight bikes. Dwight bikes. <laughs> Did he, he got a guaranteed deal with somebody, didn't he? Uh, yeah. Detroit. That's, I think not, not this year. Right. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Oh, really? Well, good for him. I think he did. Um, okay, let's move on to Jeremy Grant. And I give Jeremy, Jeremy. Grant a Chick-fil-A because that dude is 100% better than he was even at the beginning of the season. He developed a drive game. He became way more balanced. He is just more in control. And he became kind of the Thunder's sixth man. Which the Thunder didn't really technically have one. Uh, but if if you were to say that somebody is like the sixth man for this team, I think that you would probably point to Jeremy Grant. He would bring great energy. Uh, he could score. He can create his own shot and get to the free throw line. Uh, he was very good. And I, I give him all the Chick-fil-A sauce. What do you think? Uh, I gave him a Chick-fil-A minus. Okay. Uh, only reason I didn't give him higher was because of the three-point shooting. Yeah. Um, it, we, I mean, I remember listening to the podcast last season and you, every time you talk about Jeremy Grant, you're like, I don't know if this three point shooting is real. This might be a mirage. <laughs> it totally uh, it turned was. Out you were right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but basically every other part of his game outside of the three point shooting was incredible. I mean, it's, it's weird. Like comparing him to someone like Steven Adams, who Steven Adams improved, but it was like along his like natural evolution. Whereas Jeremy Grant seemed to just like add new things to his game that I'd never seen before. Like he became a diff- a completely different player mm-hmm. season to season. Um, just how strong he is under the basket. I right. mean, the fact that he shot 54% from the field, which was his career high by seven percentage points. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, 
and it's not like he stopped taking threes. He actually shot basically the same amount of threes that he did last season. Um, but yeah, just his strength under the basket, like his willingness to challenge people under the basket. Um, and even it didn't really show up in like his season stats, but some of his interior passing and maybe it was just individual games, but that that's something that I remember from the season. Um, just a few spots where he just had some really good passes either out of the paint or just to other bigs in the paint. Yeah, he developed that pass off the short roll, which is like, where did that come? Like, where did you learn to do that? And how did you learn to do that in January? I mean, right. it, it was his, his development was it was very strange because even at the beginning of this season, I, I was just like, I just don't think he's any good. Like he's really athletic and he has these big wow plays, but overall, like you look at the lineup data, you look at everything, like he's just he's not helping. And he everything he does looks really cool. But as the season went along, like he developed and he became he got stronger and more balanced and he knew his role better and he became a really valuable player and you know, something that hasn't been talked about, like the Mellow trade, obviously, in hindsight, you just don't do it. Uh, just because at the end of the day, Mellow did not help this team accomplish the goal that it wanted to. In fact, he was probably the reason that they weren't able to accomplish that goal. Um, but also, you don't get this version of Jeremy Grant if you don't make the Mellow trade. So there is kind of a silver lining to the Mellow trade in that if Ennis Cantor is here, uh, Jeremy Grant certainly doesn't play minutes at center. And right. that's how he became the player he is today is that he got to play minutes at center and he was able to develop that drive game because of that, because he could drive. He was had that quick step um, on every center in the NBA that he could get around them and get to the basket. And he did it even to Rudy Gobert a couple times in the playoffs. Um, and so he doesn't get a chance to be that guy. If Ennis is here, like he continues to play uh, you know, power forward and on the wing you know, maybe he develops a little bit more as a power forward, and I, but I, I think that what he was able to do at center gives him more confidence and leads him to be eventually a better power forward for this team. And I, I think if they do keep this team together and they're able to find a, a landing spot for Mello or buy him out, I still kind of expect Patrick Patterson to be the starting four and for him to come off the bench. I still feel like that makes the most sense. Uh, but yeah, he's he was great. I mean, I, at the end of the season, what, it, what was he like? The fourth best player on this team? Yeah. Yeah. And I'd be interested to go back and listen to what you guys were saying at the beginning of the year, like projecting out best case scenario. Cause I feel like we would have just been talking about, well, you know, if he can like double his three point attempts, you know, and maintain a good three point percentage. Like, I feel like right. that's all we were focused on, just worrying about this guy becoming a stretch four, basically. Yeah. And he yeah. turned into something totally different. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, I think that you, I think probably what we said was if he can keep that 37% going that he shot last year from three and then just get stronger, then yeah, that's a great player. That's not wrong, but it just didn't end up being that way. He shot 29% from three. Um, but where he really improved is that he almost doubled the amount of free throws that he took. He took 67, he shot 67% from the line. And I'd like to see where that was after the all-star break, because it felt like he shot way better than that um, from the free throw line um, after the all-star break. But yeah, he was, he was, he was just spectacular. He was, yeah, he shot 72% from three, 
from the free throw line after the all-star break. Um, and was, so before pre all-star break, he was a minus 0.6 for the thunder. And then after the all-star break, which is kind of where we saw him just kind of explode, he was a plus 4.8 off the bench for the thunder. And so he, he was just a better player overall. And, and look at this, he shot 37% from three after the all-star break for the thunder. Mm. He was very good. He, yeah, if, if he came back with like all that strength and el- everything he does in the paint now combined with a three-point shot and and we get him for a decent price. Yeah, if they can get him at like seven a year, which is possible, like a three-year $21 million contract for right. Jeremy Grant is certainly possible. Uh, I think the Thunder really, I mean, they obviously want to keep him. It just, it depends on what happens. I don't know if, I don't know if any other team is gonna want to bite on him uh let's move on to ray felton uh ray was a good backup point guard for the thunder he came in and actually like i remember like a game on the road in charlotte he came in and won that game for them uh he does take some of the dumbest shots in nba history but that's just kind of a part of ray's game uh i gave him a a chick-fil-a barbecue sauce wow really yeah uh, I gave him a catch-up. I think he was a uh, perfectly fine backup. I think that we as Thunder fans have been conditioned because of Samaj, you know, <laughs> that uh, we we just view Felton. We, we give him an extra boost. He did get a, a little Samaj bump from me, certainly. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I thought, I thought Felton was absolutely fine. Yeah. Um, I don't get particularly excited about him, um, but he's much more steady than someone like Samaj was yeah. um, or campaign before him. Um, you kind of know what you're getting. You're rarely surprised, but then occasionally you do get those moments like the Charlotte game where he does kind of take over and you remember that, oh yeah, this guy was like a huge deal coming out of college. Yeah. Yeah, he was. He was 35% from three overall. He was 46% from the corners for, for the season. He, I mean, he was he was a very helpful player. I mean, he was uh, on some nights one of the better players on the court. Can, he can't do it consistently, but I think that again, I keep having to have this qualifier there. That if they're able to bring you know, Paul back, I think that they would bring him back for the minimum and try again. Because I mean, it, it's you know it's probably difficult to find you know a, a good backup point guard out there for the minimum and. You know, he's definitely one of them. Uh, Patrick Patterson. I gave him a garlic herb and ranch for this season. He had big expectations coming into the season. At one point, we thought he'd be the starter. But then, like, we thought that he would be, like, a super sub after Melo got here. Uh, He was injured going into the season. Uh, He had some knee problems and wasn't able to... uh, remain healthy for most of the season i don't think that he was in good shape at all um you can kind of see that uh he had some some good moments at times uh similar to josh eustace he played really well in the absence of mellow when mellow rolled his ankle early in that game against the warriors uh up in oracle uh that was probably the biggest moment of his season uh but he shot it well from three. I think he was 38% overall on the season, which is very good. And, you know, to me, he's one of those guys that is not 
is not going to jump off the page if he comes in and plays five to ten minutes a game, which is about all that he got. Uh, but I feel like if he can get a rhythm, he actually he played 15 minutes per game on average. But there, he just there were just spots where he just didn't play at all, and especially in the playoffs. Um, you know, he he had a very underwhelming season, and relative to expectations, like he it was pretty poor because I think that Thunder fans had expected a lot of him uh, coming into this year. Yeah, and I still expect a lot from him going forward. Yeah. Um, I'm a huge Patrick Patterson fan, but I, I did give him a garlic and herb branch. I gave him a plus garlic and herb branch plus uh, the plus is for all the hope I still have. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was just not a good situation for him. I mean, the mellow trade just kind of threw everything out the window in terms of Patrick Patterson. Yeah. And then you combine that with the injuries and you saw flashes of it. You know, you saw flashes of like, if this guy was on the court, more with the best players on this team and was just a really solid defender, a ball mover on offense. Like you, you see the role um, and maybe we'll see it next year if, if Melo doesn't come back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm still hopeful. I haven't given up on Patrick. Yeah, I don't think you should. I think that if he has a chance to be the starting power forward and can play more like 25 minutes per game, then I think that we'll see a different player. I, mean, I think he's right. perfect for that role. He's a ball mover. He shot 39% from the corners. And they, like they need that. They need a guy that's fine standing in the corner that doesn't need shots. That's not going to ask for post-ups and stuff like that. And I think the offense will be much better for it. Uh, Alex Abrinas, I gave him a catch up. He had a similar season to Patterson, except for the fact that he was able to finish strong uh, from about that Rockets game on the Rockets game they won in Houston, uh, you could see that the trust level for him went up quite a bit. And he was given a chance to guard Donovan Mitchell in the playoffs and defended him pretty well. And he had some big time shots for the Thunder. Uh, they probably don't win that game five without him. He was a part of that unit that led the the fierce comeback from 25 points down. He is clearly a guy moving forward that this team... Uh, can count on off the bench and can play a pretty significant role. And maybe next year we finally get the Alex Abrinas that we thought that we were going to get this past season. Cause he, along with he and Patterson, like we talked about those guys as such big pieces off the bench and there were just spots in the season where they were hardly even playing. And we had Terrence Ferguson taking his spot and it was, I mean, it was just kind of a very confusing season for him uh, but ultimately, he ended up playing a huge role for them in the playoffs, and I thought that he played well. And I think that going forward, he's a guy that is pretty important to a Russell Westbrook-led team because he just needs shooting around him, and that's what Alex provides. So I gave him a uh, straight-up catch-up. Yeah, I gave him a catch-up plus. I think if you were just looking at the last month of the season, I'd give him like a barbecue because um, yeah. you finally started to see um, some of those things come together, especially on the defensive end. But his season as a whole, especially the early part of the season, was pretty brutal. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, Andre Robertson, uh, I gave him a Chick Fil A sauce, straight up A plus plus, because he made this <laughs> team into a defensive monster. He had come into his own on the offensive end, and that he was basically just taking shots around the rim. Uh, and 
making cuts and making good passes off cuts and moving the ball quickly whenever he got it. Uh, he really was kind of the glue that held this team together. And then like his reputation, like nothing has done anything more for his reputation than getting hurt and this team being bad in the absence of him. Like, I don't think his value has been any higher than it is today. Uh, just because we saw what he was able to do on the court and then we saw what it looks like in contrast without him. And if like, if you listen to Sam and even if you listen to what we've said, like that's all of that is not just Andre, (laughs) like some of it is, um, but he just, him not being there exposed so many weaknesses for this team. And so it's not just the absence of Andre, it's the absence of Andre plus the weakness of Russell and Carmelo on the defensive end and not having a guy that, you know, we had guys in Corey and Josh that could come in and play pretty good one-on-one defense, but they can't cover up for what other people, other people's deficits are. And so, you know, it became an apparent problem with, with him out, but his reputation has never been better. And, you know, he expects to be back by, uh, the beginning of next season, which is good news. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think that things could have gone. I mean, obviously the injury was really bad, but as far as like reputation goes, I'm not sure that things could have gone much better for him. <laughs> yeah. I, I gave him a straight, uh, barbecue. Um, you know, I think he had a, he had a nice run in December, January. He was really rough at the beginning of the season. Um, I mean, there were points That's at the true. beginning of the season where That's we just true. like, didn't know what the point of Andre Robertson was. We would learn, we would learn. He, you know, the team started to gel a lot better. Um, I I still want to see, you know, what would happen or what would have happened in a playoff series with the jazz. Would they have intentionally fouled him? And how would that have affected what Billy wants to do? I was just looking back at the Houston series. You know, he took four free throws a game Mm -hmm. in that series and shot 14%. Um, so I, I I don't know. I still want to see it in the playoffs. I still want to know like can can he play in the playoffs against a team who's going to do that to him? Yeah, um, that's a good point. In, that's a good point. In the in the meantime, in the meantime, his reputation is uh, as high as it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got just a few minutes left, so let's let's get through these. Uh, Carmelo Anthony, I gave him a garlic herb and ranch sauce. Uh, he was not good. I mean, the trade ended up being a blunder. His contract is becoming like a, a worrisome thing. Like you probably hear more about Melo's contract today than you hear about his ability to play basketball. Um, I did not give him a no sauce because he did come in and play the role the Thunder wanted him to for the most part. He took more threes than he ever had in his career and made more threes than he ever had in his career. That's, those are the sentences that you'll hear the most coming from the mouths of Thunder employees um, is his taking and making of threes. Um, But he really did play the role they wanted him to. He just ultimately was not very good at it. And it hurt the team in the playoffs. He could not make anything come playoff time. And, you know, part of the reason why I held out hope for him was that, you know, Melo still, I still, and I still think he does, has it in him to go out and, you know, get you a quick 20. Um, he just wasn't able to do that against Utah. But I think that like, it, as long as he's willing to work, 
he can still be in the NBA for a little while, but I have my doubts about one, his willingness to work. And then two, his willingness to take on a role that he really needs to have. And I still think that he could play for the thunder and be effective if he was willing to take a bench role. Uh, but he clearly is not. And he's made that apparent. And that's why I think at the end of the day, we're going to see these, these two part ways and mellow and thunder. But yeah, I give him a D I guess I was a little too generous. I gave him a catch-up minus. Okay. Um, obviously not a huge mellow fan on this team at this point, but uh, you know, looking over his stats, he—I mean, you already said it all, but he—he he really did do what they wanted him to, and at least offensively, he was fine at that role. Um, you know, shooting thirty-six percent from three on a ton of attempts. Um, but it, it just obviously wasn't a good fit for everyone else on the team and for the health of this team going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and he was, I think he was good for the locker room. Like just what he said and the way the things went down at exit interviews just kind of paints everything in a different light a little bit. Like, I just don't know what to think about it. And maybe a lot of this is hindsight, um, on my part, uh, and there were he did have some good games he did have some helpful games uh but at the end of the day he just wasn't able to do what we had hoped that he would do and you know i've kind of come to the conclusion that you always kind of as a fan and as somebody that looks at your team you're always like i want as many stars as possible but honestly like you don't need more than two and then if you can put multiple guys around them, unless you're unless you're able to find like a perfect fit, like like if they were able to like bring in bring back Paul George and then somehow get like a Bradley Beal, then yeah, of course, like you would like that fit is amazing. But you're not going to do that. Like that's not even going to be a possibility. Um, yeah, you don't need stars, but you you definitely do need those like super sub players. Yes, whether like like an Eric Gordon type. Sure. And, you know, and they may have that kind of guy on the bench that just didn't get that opportunity. Like, I feel like Patrick Patterson could have done so much more for this team. I feel like at the end of the day, Abrinas could have done more for this team. And then going forward, Ferguson, I feel like could do more for this team going forward, but not if they have like a high, higher usage star there, like Amela was, you know, he really limited what this team could do on the defensive end uh, at the end of the season. And then offensively, uh, he just he just couldn't hit anything, and that became just a huge huge problem for this team. And so, um, ultimately, that trade did not work out for the Thunder. I think, you know, it was it was a good risk, um, but at the end of the day, it did not did not end up working in the way they wanted it to. And the way that Sam talked about Mello at exit interviews for him, it was made it was pretty apparent that they're not going to be moving forward with him. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, how that unfolds. Uh, Steven Adams, I gave him a uh, barbecue plus. I Whoa. Thought, I thought he had a good season. I thought that he became one of the best screen setting, maybe even the best screen setting big man in the NBA. Um, he provides a toughness to this team, obviously that it needs desperately. His offensive game has improved, uh, his touch around the rim and even, uh, farther out into the paint was really great. Um, I thought he had a very good season. Um, 
so yeah, solid barbecue plus for for Steve O. He was like the easiest Chick Fil A for me. Okay, um, I just thought he was the most consistent player on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, he did everything. Like honestly, the only downside of Stephen Adams' year is maybe that we just didn't get enough of him. Which yeah. I don't. I don't know how much that has to do just with his personality or the game plan in general. Um, it always feels like there's more there, mm-hmm. and I feel like we say this every single season. Um, and so maybe if if the worst does happen and Paul George leaves and Mello is gone, maybe we finally do get to see like the fully evolved form of Steven Adams next year. Yeah. And maybe that's why I didn't give him the full Chick-fil-A is that I, like he was awesome this season, but I don't know that his imprint was as big as it should have been on this team. I still feel like he like left something on the table and that's just part of his personality and part of the way that he, that he works is that, you know, he's, he's not i don't know he's not assertive enough and maybe that's just maybe that's an unfair criticism of him um but that's kind of where i landed uh, paul george i gave paul george a ketchup plus for his season wow um he just his he he's very inconsistent he was very inconsistent with this team and didn't certainly there were some months that he like really brought it um but he also left so much on the table as well. I felt like, especially in that playoff series, like he was a playoff P for one game. And then that was pretty much it. You know, I mean, he was a no show in game six. And if he was just even just slightly below average, like they win that game easily. Um, but he was pretty awful, um, in that, in that game, you know, his March was really rough. He shot 29% from three in March. Um, that was really brutal. Um, overall, like his shooting was good for the season, obviously. And he added a ton to this team. And I think if Dre was able to stick around, if he was able to be on the court and didn't get hurt, I think our evaluation of Paul George is a lot different because Andre put him in the, perfect role defensively where he's just creating chaos and getting steals and deflections and like you can hardly do anything with this team because of that but then after uh andre excuse me andre went down uh he was not able to play that same role and i think this team's defensive identity um kind of went away and that was kind of was a little bit disappointing that paul couldn't have stepped up a little bit more on that end but um Overall, I thought he had a good season, but I still feel like there were, it could have it could have been more. Obviously, like we get to the get to the playoffs and losing round one, and part of it's because of him. I feel like he left something on the table. Uh, yeah, I gave him a barbecue plus. Yeah, um, I thought he had a perfectly normal Paul George season. Um, I think just because you know we're, we weren't Pacers fans, we didn't really know what to expect from Paul George. I think we probably expected a little bit more, but mm-hmm. Paul George has like this reputation for being streaky sure. and for not being consistent. So I kind of knew that going in. I think that um, we probably overhyped his defense a little bit. <laughs> Do you remember at the beginning of the season when we were talking about him for defensive player of the year? Like people were like national people even were like legitimately suggesting that. Yeah. And, and, and with then, Andre, and Ro- yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. And then, then Rob Robertson gets hurt and you realize, Oh, okay. That was because Andre was taking so much pressure off of him. Right. Um, and he can kind of just do whatever he wanted defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I still thought it was a solid season for Paul. Yeah. He had a good season. Um, 
but I just feel like he can do more. And maybe part of that's the Thunder didn't put him in the best position every time to be successful. And with Dre out, maybe they couldn't have on the defensive end. And then offensively, I never felt like he got his groove of, you know, really going like like we want him to. Um, but yeah, I thought he had a good season. Uh, last one, Russell Westbrook. I gave him a barbecue minus. I thought that As he, did I. I thought that he had a good season. I think that he was probably unfairly criticized this season for the most part. I really thought that it was a weird season overall for him because he really did try to fit in and then he tried to be himself and like and he he I don't think that this team's identity after Andre went out like they couldn't find it. And they didn't know what they were or what they were supposed to do. And they were just basically reliant, not on any like process or this is where we stick to this and what we're going to be fine. It was, let's just frenetically do whatever we can on the court to win. And they relied on just results, period. And a lot of that I feel was like it was on Russell. And I feel like he's got a really big opportunity ahead of him to grow and to learn from what happened this season. And if he's given the chance to have a teammate like Paul George at his side again, I think that he will do better next season than he did this year. I think he'll have a better feel for what they want to do and that they will fit better together. Um, But he's still trying to figure out what his career is going to be as the lead guy and he's had obviously two vastly different situations um on his hands but i still feel like that's um it's just it's they're still in kind of an awkward phase when it comes to that yeah i mean the reason why i didn't put him any higher was mainly the decline in free throws like that used to be such a strength of his game right and it felt like it became a weakness this season uh the decline in three-point percentage which may have, I mean, last year may have just been a special year, and that's just what it was always going to be. Yeah. Um, but he kind of fell back to what he's always done, which is about 30% on four attempts a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, no improvement defensively. And then uh, th- this stat that I found, that I, which I just hadn't read before yesterday, was the Thunder were 20-2 and two when Westbrook attempted 17 or less field goals and they were 27 and 31 when he took 18 or more shots. Mm-hmm. Um, so when people start talking about wanting to change Westbrook's game, you just wonder if they were able to bring back Paul George, um, could there be a scenario where, where Westbrook does decrease his shots a little bit? Yeah. And would that help them? But I don't know. And that's, uh, that's, I hate that stat to be honest. Because a Why? lot of, because when when times are desperate for them, he takes whenever they're like trying to make a comeback, like they were behind in a lot of those games that they lost. Like he's right. he takes a ton of shots. And so I, I don't know. I don't particularly like that one for Russell. I don't know that that's like I don't I don't know that that one's a, a fair stat um, for him. But there's definitely criticism for Russell. Um, fair criticism out there for him. I just don't know that that one is. Um, but yeah, I think that he does need to make some changes to his game. Certainly. Um, but yeah, I thought he had a good season and I still think that there should be high expectations for Russell going forward. Uh, Alex, thanks for coming on the show today. We can follow you on Twitter at Al baby cakes. You can follow us on Twitter at down to dunk. 
follow me at Andrew K. Schlecht. We appreciate you guys listening. We appreciate all the five-star reviews you guys have left. There have been several more since last week. Uh, so continue to do that. That's a free way you can support us. Uh, continue to support our sponsors. Go eat at the press. It is amazing. And uh, we'll talk to you guys again on Friday. 